Welcome to another edition of the Portland, Oregon OWASP podcast. Today we'll be talking with Aaron and Ray. Aaron is an application security engineer with almost 10 years of experience. His unorthodox career path has led to many unique insights in the security industry. Ray is a life coach and conspiracy theorist. He does AppSec in his non-spared time for money. Both are insightful and brutally honest AppSec bloggers for their website, hellasecure.com. That's H-E-L-L-A-S-E-C-U-R-E.com. Today, we're going to be talking about application security. It's really about the code. Ray and Aaron, welcome aboard. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, Yeah, no problem. I'm especially excited about this interview because your stuff hits home for me. You're in the trenches fighting the good battle every day, sometimes victories, sometimes nonsense, especially if it's coming from your own team. You have an insightful blog that you share these stories with. For those who don't know, what's a link for that blog? Sure. Yeah, you can reach it at um, hella-secure.com. So that's H-E-L-L-A-S-E-C-U-R-E.com. Great. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and how did you get your starts in security? Yeah, sure. So I've been doing this for, uh, I got started in 2010. So I've almost hit my 10 year anniversary uh, this summer. And I started at a company called the White Hat Security. And it was interesting because I didn't really get a degree or go to vocational school for, for internet security or anything. It just kind of happened to me because I, I, um, I had always been interested in computers and internet tech for like a long time. I was you know designing websites and stuff when I was in middle school. I just had a, a one time a chance interview more or less a on the spot interview at a bar where I met their current director of threat research. And we just kind of got talking about, you know, like XSS and input and output encoding and SQL injection. And I guess I did a good enough job that he invited me to interview with Whitehead Security. So I submitted an application, I interviewed, kind of got the, I got the job and just kind of been, you know, history since there. So Aaron, you were doing, you were more like a bug hunter before. Did you already know the, that terminology and had some experience with that as well? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what to think about the position, um, but I had beforehand, my last job for that was I was actually doing video game testing for Namco Bandai, kind of like still doing like bug hunting, right? That kind of mm-hmm. like being really thorough in software and stuff like that. So I wasn't looking at code or anything like that, but I was still playing video games 10 hours a day, which is not nearly <laughs> as fun as it sounds. But I guess it just kind of made sense because I thought it was, oh, it was just going to be like that, but for like websites. And it kind of did turn out to be like that, which was kind of cool. Cool. Ray, tell us about your journey. So I started off as a software developer. I was working for a antivirus company. So that's kind of how like I was started getting interested in security. I didn't work on the antivirus product itself. I worked in internal business systems. So I was a automation engineer for business processes, basically helped the company become more efficient, basically. So what happened was we had to build a externally facing API for vendors. We didn't know what the hell we're doing. We mostly built the clients internally, basically ETL jobs. So we got our boss to send us to some SANS courses. Uh, I mean, like this is like back in the day when SANS courses cost like a thousand bucks a piece, not whatever they cost now. So I, I went to building defensible applications in C Sharp and web application penetration testing and ethical hacking. I believe that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And those classes were awesome. After that, I kind of stayed a developer for a little bit while longer. One day I decided I didn't want to be a developer anymore. I wasn't, I was okay at it. I was, I was decent. I wasn't great. And I started job hunting. I remembered that I really got liked the security courses that I took and I saw 
a advertisement or, or, or job ad for uh, White Hat Security in there. They were opening in a Houston office. So mm-hmm. I was like, hell yeah, I'll go to Texas. So Aaron, I got the job over at White Hat. Uh, Aaron was actually my trainer over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started about a year before me. So that's kind of how we met. And I've been doing application security ever since. It's interesting because you learned it at a place that was creating software for, for malware. First of all, did you ever think about doing that ever in your career today? And, and if so, or if not, what type of skill sets would somebody need for that? Those researchers, uh, I mean, they were more low level. I was kind of like working in managed code land, building ETL jobs and web apps. So like, I, I know very, very little about malware. Like I know enough where like it got me interested in security as a whole, but it definitely wasn't a passion of mine, but it, it kind of sparked the interest just getting me like a taste of security kind of, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. You folks, you both work in application security. What is application security? Yeah, so I mean, I would generally describe it simply as just code security, right? So any code being written by humans that it needs verification for security, regardless of what the purpose of the code is. If it's code for like devices or more thick client apps for the OS uh, or kind of what we're into is like the thin or web or cloud-based applications, right? They all have the potential to contain weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And web application security is a big thing now because of the spread of internet apps and websites, right? Every company on the internet has some or has some kind of internet presence to some degree, whether it's a small business just advertising to giant megacorps like you know Amazon and Google. It just depends on what they're doing. And there has to be that certain level of trust, of course, anybody coming to the website that they expect that today, in addition to the legal requirements too. Oh, yeah. Right. And then especially for the internet, because I mean, it's so interconnected that someone from a completely different country with completely different laws can affect a website or application that's in a completely different country with their different laws. Right. So it's even more like a a priority on the web than it is if you were, you know, creating like local devices or something like that. Ray, you said that pen testing is a great start, but over time, one might find it lacking if that's all one does. You talked about the path to become an AppSec engineer. What is this path, and is it paid with good intentions? Yeah, so uh, that blog post I actually got a request on Twitter about. It, someone requested how to... He's, he was a bug hunter slash pen tester. He wanted to get a become an AppSec engineer, so I kind of wrote this post. Like, So I, I was never really... A pen tester. Uh, it's not something that I am great at. I'm okay. I'm I'm, I'm okay at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I think I think I've I've met a lot of great AppSec engineers that started off as pen testers. I I come from a development background. Uh, Aaron comes from a QA background. I I think the the path that I was kind of talking about in that is it comes from my background of being a developer. Of you have to like AppSec is working with developers. That's all I do all the time. AppSec. There is pen testing in AppSec, but that is a very, very small portion of my job that like I, I don't get to exercise as often as I like would like to. But I that, that the path is basically helping developers write secure code. You know, like I think it is definitely like has great intentions. My enti- entire job is to uh, help developers write code and not worry about security. I, I want them to kind of think about security, but not really. Like I want them to write, build cool shit, basically. Right? Yeah. I, I imagine that because you come from a development background, you find it probably a lot easier to talk with developers than say a pen tester who, who doesn't have a, a development background. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of that stuff you can learn. I mean, it's not 
It's not hard. Like now there's a lot more online resources uh, than when I started. When I started like being doing development, you had to go to school. There was like, yeah, there were there were books and stuff and you could learn from other people. But like, I didn't know a lot of people that were developers that around my age that weren't like college grads with CS degrees. And now you can go to a boot camp for six weeks and be a, like, know what you're doing for mm-hmm. the most part. But there's probably the soft skills too, right? That's something you have learned with a developer and how they think as that might be an, an advantage to you. I don't know. I've I've interacted with a lot of developers that don't have great soft skills. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that you just have to practice. I, I can I could be better at it. But I mean knowing the lingo, the the buzzwords, the stuff that the wording that and phrasing that developers use definitely helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing their tool set helps a lot. Things like that. Like I used to do the work so I can I, I could easily relate to it. But there's a lot of development blogs out there you can learn from. People talk about how they do development all the time on online. There's po- millions of podcasts probably on development stuff. So it's not like there's a, not a, a lack of resources out there. Yeah, and I can actually add to that a little bit, especially to, to training people to do this work. I, when I was when I had security, the later half of my job there was to actually train new hires. So for a good bit of time, my job was to train people to hack websites you know, I did that uh, to help Ray get started. And what's kind of cool is that I've trained people that were, that came into the job and they had actually really not that much computer skills. Like I've trained a person that was a, a sound engineer. I've trained a person who was a chef. It's one of those things that it's, it is not, not like super easy to get into, but as long as you have a mentor, it, you can definitely get into this field. But it, I mean, it's difficult to master, but I think the barrier to entry is a lot lower than what people might think dedication hard work kind of stuff like you have to it's hard it's not it's not all it's not an easy thing to pick up i mean if you want to do it like and you're smart there's nothing that's stopping you i Mm -hmm. guess right you mentioned a mentor that might be one key for people especially again starting to find that that mentor in your case i think you were fortunate ray to have have aaron there to do that well it was kind of his job (laughs) (laughs) he didn't do it but yes yes uh, I, i i learned a great deal from aaron so that's true aaron you wrote can't see the security forest for the trees, code or die. What is this forest and why are we faced with the possibility of death? That statement is definitely loaded with a lot of metaphor, but because it's not literal trees and not literal death, obviously. But for me, the forest is simply kind of like, I guess, a skewed priorities to just thinking about application security as like a red team exercise or just being pen testers. Because, I mean, we kind of came into this job. I, I know I came into this job doing that. But I think ultimately when we talk about application security, that type of red teaming pen testing doesn't scale with modern organizations and modern ways of development, right? Mm-hmm. I think as it stands, like we we live in a developer world and AppSec people just live in it. Right. So the real challenge, I think, for AppSec engineers today is being able to mold ourselves to what development is doing and how they're doing it and find ways to inject security controls into what already exists. Right. Because as soon as we become a bottleneck for development, we'll just be avoided, not embraced. Because developers are paid on how many, or they they paid and they get their reviews every quarter or whatever based on how many features they release. Right. So understandably, if there's any impediment to that, we'll just be ignored. Right. Because I understandably, because if I was a developer and I I'm able to release three features, but I couldn't get that fourth one because security stopped me, the next quarter I'm just going to ignore them, mm-hmm. right? So we have to work with development, and I think part of that, and this comes to the death part, is to say to code or die, 
is simply that means that AppSec engineers, I think for the future, need to embrace building security to support development rather than just concentrating on being pure breakers, right? Um, because I think like being a hacker type is kind of like that sexy infosec thing. But I think at the end of the day, that type of work doesn't really scale with modern organizations, right? Because as we move more into like something, something, something as code, like the new hotness right now is like infrastructure as code or compliance as code or something like that. Uh, we need to be able to actually program and make new tools that will become even more important. So as we go into the future, the knowing how to code and how to build basic applications to help automate security is going to be more paramount. So you're risking becoming obsolete in the future mm -hmm. AppSec like job market. So how much, uh, I guess, going to responsibility from, say, the developer side as well, is part of your job, say, in app security, also teaching secure coding classes in addition to the technology that you mentioned? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it, one of the big responsibilities for our group is generally is to build developer training courses and de training development on security. One of the good metrics we usually can get out of like our job is that once we start to see like certain trends, like from our, our metrics, like we're seeing a lot of XSS or we're seeing a lot of XML entity expansion type vulnerabilities, or we can then go to them and say like, hey, we're seeing a lot of this type of vulnerability. Let's, let's talk about it, how to avoid it in the future. Okay, so cold fusion. Your thoughts? <laughs> uh, Have you worked? Do you, do you work with folks ever at cold fusion? I've so I've worked at a company that used cold fusion. I wasn't a cold fusion developer, but I mean, this was back in like 2011. But I'm I actually had a like I looked it up and uh, people still use it. They had a release like six months ago, mm -hmm. uh, and I was actually kind of surprised. There's nothing wrong with cold fusion that I know of. I mean. Same thing with like people knock PHP. You know what? PHP is a great programming language. People still use it. I don't personally use it. I got my start with PHP, but like things like Cold Fusion, I was like, people talk crap about it, but know what? It does its job. For me, it's that because I mean, it's from Adobe, right? And Adobe's had yeah. a bad track record when it came to security. Just look at Flash, right? Mm -hmm. Which luckily 2020 is supposed to be the actual kill date for Flash, the end of the year, which I'm super happy about. But I think what what could be said about most languages they use is, is how well supported they are by their communities, right? Because um, if you were to look at, say, like the top 10 languages used on GitHub, like right now, like Cold Fusion is probably not even in the top 20, maybe. Uh, it's definitely not in the top 10. So it's, it, it's a question of like, how easy is it to get support when you are using it, right? And what's even more important is how much support it gets from uh, security scanners and security like linting, right? So that definitely is a big concern on like, if you if your tools don't work for it, it's it definitely makes your job a little bit harder. I'd also argue against Aaron's point of JavaScript is like one of the number one or two or whatever. It's a definitely number one. And yeah, but I've seen the most vulnerable like libraries ever. I mean, if you go pull down like a Node.js app, I mean, you're going to have to update like 50 fucking libraries, <laughs> excuse my language, uh, because they all have vulnerabilities in it. Yeah, that's definitely true. I, I picked Cold Fusion for a couple of reasons. They do have a scanner now. They do apply that, but there isn't any support outside. There's very few SAS scanners, like the commercial side that supports that, right? Because they kind yeah. of feel, but that's up until maybe three years ago, that was used by uh, NIST. NIST was using Cold Fusion for their website. Mm, and I think one other part was is Cold Fusion's kind of an old timer. So you had some of these teams yep. that that's been their bread and butter for a long time. They're probably still maybe older waterfall methodologies or whatever, where security wasn't really thought of 
back then is, but I always thought cold fusion was unique in that case because I, I had to work with a lot of that where you're dealing with the people behind it is trying to teach fundamental security and, and good programming through it. Yeah, definitely. So is it a lost battle or can we still win the war here? Um, I mean, it's an interesting question, though. Um, I mean, it's on two fronts, because I would say no, because let's assume if you're winning a battle, it means it assumes you're, you're done fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which means you've achieved 100% security, which to me is an impossibility, right? So there's always going to be, quote unquote, fighting if it's compared to a war. It's just a question of how small and non-impactful you make it as possible. But I think the battle will continue as long as there are humans writing code, right? But at the same front, I think if you if there could be a victory, I don't know what it would look like, because I think it's going to have to be something that's going to be like some bigger revelation that's going to happen in the future. That's going to be like, oh, we solved some fundamental issue in this like computer, like like old school, like because a lot of vulnerabilities come from kind of like really basic code or libraries that have been around for decades. Right. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to like kind of go back and look at some of those or move on to some completely different technology. I'm going to say that the application security engineers are going in the right direction, but I think ultimately it's not a application security war or battle i mean this is is going to be won or lost with developers and with that i'm saying like the people that are writing the programming languages the people that are writing the frameworks and the libraries making things secure by default i we're i think we're starting to at least in in conferences appsec conferences we're starting to talk about that like the secure by default making things harder to make to create vulnerabilities in your code like you it's Make it the, the the easy path, right, is the secure path. Uh, and I think that is ultimately how we win. But the main thing that I always tell my devs is, like, I may have the best AppSec program in the world, but if your development processes suck, if your QA processes suck, I'm, I'm building my golden AppSec empire on, like, a pile of shit, so it doesn't really matter, right? So you have to have good development practices. You have to have good QA practices. And then on top of that, good AppSec practices. I mean, it's, I don't think it's like a application security thing. I think it's like a development thing. Ray, Aaron, thank you so much for talking with us. Is there anything upcoming that you want to promote or plug? I mean, uh, just uh, so the, again, the website, uh, our blog, hella-secure.com could also find myself in the blog on Twitter at, at hella secure. But other than that, you know, we're just kind of like, you know, doing our day to day and just kind of like whenever we feel that uh, we have something interesting to write about, we'll write about it and talk about it. Right. I know that I think for me this year, I'll definitely be at AppSec USA. And uh, obviously I'm at DEF CON and the Vegas conferences every year as well. For me, I guess the blog, the Hella Secure blog, right? I'm also on Twitter. If you can find me, you're more than welcome to follow me. Let's see. Yeah, I try to go to the conferences, probably be at DEF CON this year, and I'll probably be at maybe either LocoMocoSec or AppSec USA, which is, what is it now? Global Application Security something? I don't know what the new conference is called, but it has a name. It's in San Francisco this year. I might be there. (laughs) Would you guys ever would be willing to come back, especially if you're writing some good articles? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we'll be talking to you soon. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the Portland, Oregon chapter of the Open Web Application Security Project, OWASP. Check us out online and see how we're making the web a more secure place. Music is by Tomo and Animoy.
and my name is John Whiteman. Thanks for listening.